And I think we can take that posture today. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, g- God, here's all I have to bring. And it's mm. it's simply this confession. I I need you. I need you to work in my life to give yeah, buddy. me belief, give me faith, which kind of seems weird. I feel like I should be able to have control and ex- muster it up. But no, when I when I bring myself in that manner to the Lord, I think we see the empowerment. We see him move. We see him speak through us in ways that only he could do yeah. as we have that, adopt this, that approach. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Kurt Prater, back in the studio, if you can call it a studio. Oh, it's the office. It's like three doors down from yours. <laughs> but, uh, and you kind of have a studio in your office. You've got I, a big old piano and. I'm all about the environment. Yeah. And it, sometimes I got to get in the mode with creativity and brainstorming and the colors of the room, the ambiance, the smells. I, I mean, it helps. It's yeah. all part of it. Yeah. I definitely, you know, tried to to do something like this. Uh, my vibes. yeah, my kids helped me make that little mountain scene. I love it because I'm a mountain guy. Got some shrubbery mm-hmm. in there, <laughs> and uh, yeah, or, or succulents, I guess they're called. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Glad it's to so be here. good. It's been a while, been a little bit. Right on. Um, and so, you know, true to form, I'd love to know a little bit about what God's kind of been doing in your life and whether that's through your time in the word or time in biblical community, like what does it, what's God stirring right now? Mm. Well, I was actually having a conversation um, this morning uh, with a friend about the reality of uh, here I am 40 years old thinking that when I arrived at 40, I would have things figured out for for me personally, mm-hmm. for uh, ministry path, just my family, everything. Everything would be pretty much dialed in. Well, I'm learning that I'm on a journey that's going to be. I'm going to be in it for the long haul. Okay. So, our team in ministry is is experiencing some transition, some things that are kind of working, and I'm realizing well, the Lord has placed me in a role and given me an opportunity that I can be an active listener to what the Lord wants to speak to me through me yeah, so that I can play a role in uh, shaping the future. And, and so. What do you mean by active listener? So in the scripture, we see God's people um, when they have some big decisions to make, when they're experiencing change or, or they just want to have counsel and wisdom, they spend time praying. They spend time fasting. They spend time in God's word. And the Lord, through his word, through prayer, through fasting, and even just conversation with other believers will illumine like some ideas and thoughts and approaches. Um, mm. Well, that comes from the Lord. Right. That comes from listening to the Lord. And I to be a listener, that means I'm, I'm quieting some things. I'm putting some things away so right. that I can be still. Mm. So I'm trying to be intentional. And the reason why I say I'm still learning about who I am I'm actually discovering and trying to be the man of God that God has called me to be. Well, 
I, I've got to know a little bit more about myself. And I thought at 40, I would have things figured out. Well, I don't. And, mm-hmm. But I am learning who God has made me to be. And it's through this process of saying, Lord, I, I want to listen to you. I want to hear from you. And then I want to be Kurt Prater, whom you've called me to be, to be an active, to play an active role in um, listening and then in communicating what God's shown me. Yeah. Because I know that I'm wired the way that I am so that I might be um, an active participant and also leader in for our team as the worship pastor, as a member of the directional team here at the church. And I would say I have felt and experienced your leadership or influence as a equal member on this team, right? That we have both gotten to serve in the capacity as directional pastors together. Mm. And in my time with you, one of the things I appreciated was you were willing to come to a meeting having spent time in the word. And if there was something you were burdened with, you weren't content to walk out of there and not have brought that up. Now, not maybe an issue with any of us, but just maybe in general, something the Lord has kind of been stirring in you, you were not willing to just kind of keep quiet about that or process that on the side, but you felt an obligation to say, hey, some, something that I've been going through, is anybody else? And what I what it, it did for me, and I don't know if you intended it to do this, but it just made me realize just the connectivity and the way that God works through a community of believers, mm. not just me in isolation. It's very easy yeah. for me to kind of in this, this American mindset to feel like I, this is an isolated, yeah. you know, solo journey. Yeah. And no, to realize just how powerful it is when I am more expressive and open about what I'm walking through and it's not just so that I can get help from others, but I have no idea that perhaps the wrestling I'm dealing with is meant to prompt yes. other believers in my life to wrestle with similar things or see me wrestling and realize they've got some stuff to wrestle with that's unrelated. And so like yeah. uh, the situation where one of our team, um, our lead pastor was off during a time of intentional study and seeking the Lord. And in the, historically, that's been a time where he goes and does that and we kind of run, make mm-hmm. sure things are running here. And so when he left, you came with this burden that you had a part to play and he had a part to play in that yeah. season of leadership for the church. And your part was, I need to be seeking the Lord just as fervently as he may be doing mm-hmm. elsewhere because there may be things that the Lord needs to show me so that I can speak into whatever he comes back with. Yeah. Man, that was powerful. I'm thankful. I've got to communicate these things. I'm not naturally confrontational. I am willing to share some things that are going on behind the scenes, but I'm learning more and more that uh, there's a lot that we're actually wrestling with together. And as we speak them out loud, then we bring others into the scenario and either receive some encouragement, some teaching, correction. I mean, the, the Lord's word returns to us uh, mm-hmm. fruitful, faithful every time. So it's, I mean, it's been mutually beneficial for me. There have been yeah. those moments that we've been, I've been able to benefit from what you're walking through, the challenge that you bring to the table. Right. So it's, it's it's been fun to experience that together. And I would say that 
when I do get emails and questions about things that people are going through, mm. one of the question, like one of the things that thoughts that I have as I'm getting ready to respond is I'm curious whether people are in a community, like a faith community, yeah. they're walking through life with believers or yeah. is, because a lot of the emphasis of this podcast is, hey, I want you individual to wrestle with God's word. And I think that's an important piece. Like we have to have these in, intentional alone times with the Lord mm. in his word. But I think that's always meant to outflow into a community of believers so that when you have questions about what the word says, you're not just left alone to wonder, but you're like bringing that into play into the relationships oh, yeah. and conversation. And so I think that what the Lord's stirring in you is is reminding me of the the importance of that biblical community. Yes. Being a part of yes. a, a group, friend group, a family group, a, a church family that is shaped by the scriptures, the word of God, and uh, prioritizes the word of God mm -hmm. to hold each other accountable, to live in, in relationship according to the design the Lord has and is revealed in his word. So good stuff, man. Mm. Good stuff. Well, we came here to take and read. Let's do this. And so let's do this. Uh, <laughs> we are in Mark and we're steadily, slowly uh, working our way through Mark. And just to kind of recap, we're, we're looking at the gospel of Mark and we've been looking at this for now 41 episodes. This is episode Watch 41. Out. Yes. And yet we're just barely halfway. We're just, oh, we've, we've kind of crested over the halfway point. Mm. And Mark again is, is the earliest account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And in the very first verse, Mark declares that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And the rest of Mark is his support for that statement. This is why he believes Jesus to be the son of God and the Messiah, the promised one. And we also understand the historical tradition around the authorship and how this gospel came to be is that it is a collection of, by Mark, of Peter's preaching. So the apostle mm -hmm. Peter, one of the disciples, one of the ones Jesus called out, and so there's some interesting moments in this gospel that would have come out of Peter's personal experience that I think are important to note. And what we've seen happen in chapter eight, which is the halfway point of the gospel, is it kind of built and built and built to where we see this, this growing understanding of who Jesus is develop, where there are times where the the disciples see Jesus uh, do perform a miracle or cast out a demon or his teaching. And, and it's recognized that he ha he's one that has authority. Unlike the scribes, he, he does things that are authoritative over the demonic realm, over the, our physical bodies, over the winds, the waves. He's, he's exercising this authority. And yet the disciples, it seems like it, it is a slow developing understanding there are times when it, they exercise great faith and mm. he empowers them to go out and drive out demons and cast out demons and heal people. And then they'll come off of that experience and he feeds 5,000 and they miss the point. Like there's this interesting progressive nature to their understanding, mm. which I think we can probably all relate to, but it hits a peak in uh, Mark chapter eight. So the last chapter when he, he says, who do people say that I am? 
Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, all this. And then he says, who do you say that I am? Mm. And that's when that confession of Peter, you're the Christ, you're it, you're the one. Mm. You are the son of God. And so you see that admission and now we're kind of, we've crested. And now what's going to start to happen is he's going to start to make his way towards Jerusalem. Mm. And there's some things about his life and ministry as he heads towards Jerusalem. Um, You see different things in the parables. You see different things in the way that he heals and his popularity. And there's all, all kinds of things that happen as he makes that crest and then turns his face. In other gospels, it talks about upon that confession, it says that he turns his face towards Jerusalem. So he's up until that point, he's been ministering in the north. Sea of Galilee area and the northern part of the the kingdom, but now he turns his faith and he's now headed to Jerusalem, which is the anticipation or the place where he knows he goes to die, mm-hmm. to suffer, uh, so that we may have life. So, anyway, that's a little bit of the context. Uh, he he's continued to talk about the important role of following him what the son of man must do. He's, he's, uh, there's even this kind of prediction that's happened already where he predicts his death uh, and resurrection and tells them, you know, the, the, the cost. Uh, well, there's this interesting series that happened in that first um, interaction where he, he foretells or predicts his death and resurrection. And then, the disciples, specifically or specifically Peter, you know, it's like, no, that's not going to happen. He has to rebuke Peter, and then he talks about the cost of following him. That if, mm. if you're going to follow me, you're going to suffer like me. And so then the transfiguration happens. He's up on the mountain, and that's this this incredible moment. Now we have the verse that we're going to look at. Okay, so we're just where coming down. They've come down from the mount, or the mountain where he is. He is there and Elijah has appeared and Moses has appeared. Uh, Peter, James, and John have witnessed this and they're like, should we make tents for you guys? Which mm. they kind of stumble around like they're not sure what we're, we should do. And there's this there's this vision that they get to have yeah. that's actually happening. It's not like in their minds, but they now see Jesus in his glory. There, there's this kind of window into holy moly. And this is who he is. Mm. And they see him with Elijah and Moses and they have this moment and they now come down off the mountain after that experience. And this is what they come into. That's where we find ourselves today. So here we are. Uh, We'll be in Mark chapter nine and we're in verses 14 through 29. We're in the New English translation, the NET Bible. Uh, Again, we'll we'll throw in different translations on the podcast just to uh, give people some exposure. I tend to favor a couple of translations more than others. I don't <laughs> I don't tend towards a couple of them as much. Um, but NET is one of those that it's not widely used, but I really do appreciate the the readability of it. So mm. here we are, Mark chapter nine, verse fourteen. When they came to the disciples, the they here is. Peter, James, John, and Jesus, when they came uh, to the disciples, so the rest of the group, they saw, saw a large crowd around them and experts in the law arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran 
at once and greeted him. This him would be Jesus. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? A member of the crowd said to him, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able to do so. Well, he answered them, you unbelieving generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I endure you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Then Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, when Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, Mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. It shrieked, threw him into terrible convulsions, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he is dead. But Jesus gently took his hand, raised him to his feet, and he stood up. Then after he went into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we cast it out? He told them, This kind can come out only by prayer. Mm. Very interesting scene here. Yeah, buddy. So the way that we wrestle on this podcast is we first want to make sure we understand what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So we understand kind of the the scene, uh, who's there, what's happening, uh, what have they just come from, kind of who are the primary characters in this episode uh, and in this historical event. So what paint the scene for me. What do you see? Jesus, Peter, James, and John coming down into an environment where the audience is, are, are the disciples. Uh, no names specifically, but disciples there. A large crowd and experts in the law. Right. So, and then clearly a dad and his son, who have, has an evil spirit uh, since mm-hmm. birth. And then this engagement with Jesus and the dad, Jesus and the demon-possessed. And um, and there's arguing going on. Like, you can see this scene, like they're rolling out of the hills, and they're kind of like, there's commotion. There's a yeah. group, and there's arguing. That's how it's described. It's not like they're having a polite conversation they're not like sharing ideas, like argument. So yeah. you got to imagine it's kind of getting loud, <laughs> yeah. maybe intense. And we don't know what they're arguing about. And he asks, What's, why are you gathered here? What are you doing? What are you talking about? What's happening? And it's like, well, I brought my son. He's possessed. And so something about that incident has the disciples and possibly the religious kind of experts arguing maybe about why it's happened what to do about it. Like, who knows what they're arguing about? But we do know that the disciples have attempted to do something about this. Yeah. 
and because they tried and they're like, why couldn't we do it? <laughs> well, that's why I, I see the commotion and the frustration of, hey, here's the teacher. That's how he's addressed. I asked your boys to do something and they failed. Yeah. Well, what's up? They're supposed to represent you in power straight. Well, right. They're not getting it done. What you going to do about it? Yeah. And then Jesus's response, I, I do think is interesting. He says, you unbelieving generation. And so he's like, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> and you don't know if he's talking to the disciples. Yeah. <laughs> or the crowd. Yeah. But he's, he's just like, the, oh. the, the consistent unbelief, the consistent yeah. lack of faith is really, he's growing impatient with it. Mm. And so mm. if you ever wonder like, was Jesus like, yeah, he's the son of God. So he probably doesn't wrestle. Like he's also fully human. Mm. And so impatience or frustration is clearly expressed here. Yes. About specifically unbelief. Like you think of how many times that he has demonstrated who he is and having clarity about who he is, just coming off of a confession of who he is. And he's still having to wrestle with them and help them understand like he's still, this unbelief thing is, is an issue. That's so good. And he draws it out in the man. Yeah. So he has this dialogue with this man. And I think there's an interesting uh, at play there. Yes. This, this back and forth because the man says, if you can do anything, <laughs> it's like, you unbelieving generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I endure you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy and the spirit saw him. So here now in the boy is a demonic, a, a, mm. a, a demon is responding, immediately convulsing, throwing the boy maybe demonstrating his authority, maybe mm-hmm. scared. We, we don't know why the demon yeah. responds, but we know that demons consistently understand his authority yes. and have no questions about it. Yeah. Unlike us. Yeah, that's right. He fell on the ground, rolled around. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been going on? So they have this kind of, okay, almost like a physician's like, tell me more about your symptoms. Like he's, he's kind of, let me understand what's, what's going on here. Well, and I, I, I see this even as a statement for the crowd. Like this isn't just recent. This, what I'm about to do is undo something that's been going on for, for right. the life. Almost of this. a lifelong brokenness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't burden. question my power. Okay. Watch this. Okay. Uh, he says, but if you are able mm-hmm. to do anything, and I think there's a key there, have compassion on us and help us. So not just the boy, but the family's been traumatized by this, so yeah. this is a burden the whole family is bearing. Mm. Have mercy, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're able. Which is interesting because obviously he had some type of faith because he brought his son to the disciples. Yeah, maybe it's a last straw. He's like, I've tried everything else. Acupuncture, yeah. whatever, didn't work. I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah. I don't actually believe that he was doing acupuncture. Yeah. But, but the point is, he's, we don't know if it's a last straw, yeah. last ditch effort to figure out some remedy, but he has some level of, there's a reputation. This guy has done this before. Yeah, I don't know how he can do this stuff, but so again, it, it, we don't know that it's a recognition of Jesus's identity or authority, just that he has some capabilities. Mm -hmm. And so he says of what's 
sometimes understood as a pretty famous phrase, right? I yeah. I believe, help me in my unbelief is how some translations put it, uh, because Jesus responds, he's like, if you are able to do anything, have compassion. Jesus says to him, if you are able? Like, rhetorical question. Like, really? Really? If I'm able? <laughs> So he draws out, there is something about the uh, the effective power of God, and it's not a question of his ability, but his application of power will be directly related to our exercise of faith in yeah. that ability. Yeah. And so that's what's drawn out here. There's this if you're able, well, all things are possible. You want to talk about ability, there's no limit to ability. All things are possible if for the one who believes. So the level to which you're going to experience the possible is going to be directly related to the amount of confidence, trust, belief, faith in the one who can do all things. So let's make sure there's... There's no cap on the possible. Right. No cap on the right. ability. Right. That's limitless. Yes. What the cap is, it's relative to faith. And I, I do want to bring back even what you said. There's there's emotion expressed by Jesus. Oh, unbelieving generation. When it, I'm ready to be done with you. And yet we see that clearly this dad is expressing an ounce of unbelief, or an ounce of belief, unbelief. That's unbelief is clearly there, and yet Jesus still responds and takes action and makes a statement of it's about faith, it's about belief, and I'm still going to do this. So, I I actually take joy and hope in the fact that Christ still responds even in the unbelief. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not ultimately up to me. I I can see God's power and experience him in the same way. I'm kind of jumping forward, um, but Christ moves. But as you and wrestle about with him, this meaning, yeah. And, and his, his power and authority. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And I think that there is a progression here that first the man comes and his request is, if you're able, can you help us? Have compassion. Mm. please, if you're able to do anything about this, please have compassion and do it. And he says, it, it's not related to my ability or my compassion. Yeah, It has to do with how much you believe because all things are possible to the one who believes, who mm. has faith. And then he realizes, the man realizes, it's my faith is the issue. Mm. And that's when he makes the very famous, you know, kind of confession. I believe, help my unbelief. So he makes a second request of Jesus that's not related to the healing or the deliverance of his son, but it has to do with his own faith. Mm. Oh, okay, that's the the issue. The issue is not if you can or if you're compassionate. The issue is my faith. I have some, but help me where I don't. Mm. So that's the request, that, and Jesus goes, now we're talking. Mm. I can work with that. When you begin to recognize you have some, but not total, or you have some and not enough. You have some, but there's areas that you are not trusting. 
and you you were coming to me and saying, can you help me in the areas I don't? That's, he's like, now, now we're cooking with peanut oil, <laughs> right? Powerful confession. That's great. Uh, and so that confession then kind of changes, and that's seems to be where Jesus wants to go with this whole thing. Mm. Uh, because this whole issue has to do with faith. Mm. You unbelieving, how long do I need, you unbelieving generation, how long do I have to endure you? Like this issue of unbelief. Um, and so immediately the boys of the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So it's not even this quiet confession, but it's this like just cry of desperation. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Like I can't muster up the belief. I need you to help me believe. Mm. And so then Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering. He rebukes the demon kind of, puts on a scene and then is then leaves. Jesus gently took his hand, raises the boy to his feet and stood up and the boy is now healed. He's Mm. delivered. And so there's that. And then you get into this next scene. Where's this kind of after party, right? (laughs) Yes. And, and some of the, some of the times when, He'll teach something or do something. It's interesting that in the moment he doesn't maybe explain it, but the disciples will come back and go, okay, can you break that down for us? Yes. And some of it may be, they understood there's an appropriate time for us to do that. Some of it may have been kind of in an honor shame culture. It's not, it would be dishonoring to admit ignorance Mm. at times. And so waiting till they're not in front of everybody, they kind of are in private going, okay, there's that one time you sent us out two by two and we were casting out demons. We were healing people. That was rocking. We, mm-hmm. we were dialed in. Then he's like, they're like, okay, what happened this time? And it's interesting that his response is, this kind can come out only by prayer, which implies yeah. they weren't praying because he wasn't being cast out. Yes. It implies that perhaps they were trying to do it on their own effort. They're like, all right, Jesus, Peter, James, and John are gone. This is our time to kind of show our stuff. Yeah, bring the boy. <laughs> what do we got here? And whatever they, they say or do, it's not working. And so there, there could have been this trying to generate this thing on their own power mm. and not out of the humility that comes through prayer to trust God in his power. So there mm. was even a, an indication of maybe a lack of faith or an, a pride or something there because yeah. it indicates they didn't pray if this is how it, they can only come out through prayer. And so you didn't pray. So that's why they didn't. Yeah. Like, Mark's, Mark's brevity makes makes me wonder okay what what's going on here ha, up remind me up to this point had the disciples been sent out two by two and yeah, experienced that's already happened yeah come back and casting out i mean they experienced the supernatural this. yep so it would i would think they they'd know They've what seen him to do perform many exorcisms and they have also been sent out and empowered by him to perform exorcisms mm-hmm. And then they get into this situation and it ain't working. 
Yeah. There's a couple of things that comes out this kind. Yeah, indicates that's interesting. There's some sort of hierarchy yeah. in the demonic realm. And that the role of prayer and the possibly the absence of prayer in this in their attempt. Very interesting. And it doesn't put it out of reach. Like Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm the son of God. You you couldn't have done this. No, this kind comes out by by prayer only. Yeah. So it it is fascinating. Yeah. And so I think for those, you know, the, the meaning of this text where it's located in that historical mm-hmm. context, you've got this audience, this crowd that's gathered, you've got the disciples present, and there's something that Jesus is still trying to get them to understand this, the important role of confidence in his ability and his demeanor or his disposition. Mm. He is a, an all-powerful God, and he is a compassionate God. And what they need to realize in order to to see that compassionate, all-powerful God move, it's going to be relative to our faith and our ability to trust that who he is and what he can do. Yeah. And so that was what was called into question. And yeah. it's not necessarily about us mustering up more right. faith. Right. Because his second request was of the man, I believe, help my unbelief. He's making, like, I need you to help me because I don't have this faith. Mm to believe where I should. And even in that activity of requesting, there's a demonstration of faith that you're a God that will give me more faith. And so then Jesus acts. And I think we can take that posture today. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, here's all I have to bring. And it's Mm. it's simply this confession. I I need you. I need you to work in my life to give me belief. Give me faith, which kind of seems... Weird. I feel like I should be able to have control and ex- muster it up, but no. When I when I bring myself in that manner to the Lord, I think we see the empowerment. We see Him move. We see Him speak through us in ways that only He could do. Yeah. As we have that adopt this that approach. Yeah, and I think the something that in this reading resonates with me is that little two-sentence explanation of this after dialogue that he has with the disciples where they're like, hey, what what gives? How come we couldn't do it? Mm-hmm. And then he says, oh, that kind, that can only be brought out by prayer. And I walk away with, that means that possibly they weren't praying. And how many times do I, have I seen the Lord work and move, whether it's through teaching, counseling, um, just activities where I'm called to minister to people and I've seen him move and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And another opportunity will present itself later and I'm like, I got this. And I just sure. dive right in yep. without yes. this kind of engagement with the Lord, seeking his help, humbling myself. And it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing, but right. just this acknowledgement of where does my hope, my power, yes. Where does yes. all this, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. In the times where I've tried to just generate something out of my own strength, it doesn't turn out well. Yes. And what a, a sobering reminder Amen. in this text. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're going to walk away and you're going to say, as a dad, a husband, a father, um, well, I guess dad and father are the same thing, um, pastor, and just believer, what do you walk away in light of this truth 
going, okay, I got the rest of my day ahead of me. I need to be mindful of this. Well, what you just said is that admission, you're the authority in my life. I need you. And then as I move throughout my day, I, I can be actively praying to the Lord. And I'm, I don't have to be clever with my words. Mm-hmm. He sees my heart. He knows what's going on. But yeah. that active communication with him allows me to orient my heart as what, what's the will of the Lord here? Yeah. Please help me, Lord. So I think that's what I'm walking away with is I have access to all the power in all the world, heavens and the earth. Yeah. And it starts with that confession, I need you. Amen. That's good. KP, mm. so glad you're here. So thankful to be a so part. So glad to get to, to walk through life, mm-hmm. walk through the word with you. Um, for those that are tuning in to the podcast, uh, if you have questions about this text, do you have a question for Pastor Kurt? Uh, you can email me, takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so glad that you're able to engage. Yeah, please send questions. I encourage you in your time in the Word to wrestle like we have here today. Uh, I want to give a shout out, 22 Beans. Thank you for helping to, to make the production of this podcast possible. So if you're out there and you're looking for ways to support the podcast, uh, go 22beans.com, order up some coffee. You can also find some hats there. I've got this hat and a few others that also help support the podcast. And also liking, um, following, making comments, uh, wherever and however you get this podcast. That just helps other people find us. And I want to get more and more people in the Word of God by themselves, as groups. And so just, yeah, encourage you. Uh, to share this with with those that you love and know that would benefit from taking and reading. So, KP, thanks. Thank and you. For those of you listening, go take and read. <laughs>